Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Hey, welcome to this episode of Faith in Your Recovery. It's going to be something a little different, but I'm excited about that. For over 100 episodes, this is like 104, 105. Our Faith in Your Recovery podcast has taken great pride in staying on subject and not getting outside our focus. And that focus boils down to all things recovery. Uh, you may think here at the start this isn't going to fit. Hang in there a little longer and you'll see how it does because it parallels what our our friends and family and loved ones go through with their addiction. And so many of us deal with these kind of things. Our guest today, Donna Franklin from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, <laughs> she didn't come to us with a background as far as recovery from from drugs or alcohol addiction. No, she's recovering from something just as severe, neglect and abandonment. But she's done it in high style, and you're going to hear about that here in just a little while. So, Donna, welcome to Faith in Your Recovery. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be such a pleasure today. Oh, thank you. We're looking forward to what you have to share and say. Why don't you take a moment or two and just kind of introduce yourself to our listeners. Obviously, I'm sure you haven't met them. They haven't met you. This is a first for me even, but I want to know more about you personally, and then we'll get to the story. Sounds great. Currently, I live in San Antonio, Texas. And I moved here from Denver about 16 years ago. Um, I started in real estate at that point, and I had a really young daughter uh, just to try to. Is there a feedback? Yeah. Or can you hear? Okay. You got that, Eric? Just keep going. We're all right. Okay. Thank you. And so, moving to San Antonio, I knew no one. And I got into real estate because I needed to be able to take care of my daughter, right? And, uh, and so fortunately, I actually started going to a church and started getting to know the members. And they helped me to get a bunch of clients. And I was able to make a, a decent living even my first year. And... Uh, that's kind of where I'm at now, but it's been a long journey to get to where I am. It's Did a, you want me to go ahead and tell a little bit of that? Or you want do, to please, go ahead and tell us a little of that. Yes. Okay. So growing up in Alabama, Alabama is really a poor state, and it's crazy that we were some of the poorest ones in that state. Um, uh, my my mother um, and my grand my grandmother lived with us. Luckily, she, she raised us. I have three siblings, and uh, so four girls. I don't know how my grandmother had hair after all that <laughs> 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 raising us. 
<laughs> but, um, you know, it's just been such a long journey because my mother, she worked in fast food restaurants, so she made very little money. And, and she worked really hard, but she made very little money and definitely not enough for us to live on. Honestly, in today's standards, we would have been homeless because there's no way that we could have survived on what she made. On paper, and, it shouldn't have happened. Yeah, right. I understand. Um, we all, I, I include, I say we, but because my siblings went through the same thing, but going to school, the, the lunch we received, which was a free lunch, was the first meal that we had had that day. And most of the time, it was the only meal that we had that day. So, and um, eventually, I mean, it was, it was so hard making it through to lunchtime because you're sitting there trying to concentrate, you know, and listen to the teacher and, and your stomach is growling and, and the kids are listening, you know, because kids are not, some kids are not very nice, you know, they'll make fun of you. And, and that's what happened. Of course, we didn't have anything to take down. Um, but the food, I think, is the hardest thing, is, uh, or lack thereof, uh, I should say. And uh, just, uh, it was really, really hard. Um, until about, I was in fourth grade, and they actually developed a breakfast program. So we had two meals in the day. It was like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Christmas every day. Thanksgiving Christmas every, every day. day. <laughs> That's right. That's kind of how I was raised. And My wife was a first grade teacher for 41 years. Now, oh, wow. I, you know, I just heard your story. I'm not trying to say that I know it, but I know the story of other children. And that yeah. suffering, the bullying that goes with that when you have less than the other kids, when you're not the style they are, and just let alone being hungry and trying to deal with the day. That had to make it, make it difficult education-wise. So I welcome to your, I say welcome to your uh, ability to stay with it and to battle that. So tell us where the neglect and abandonment came in place. So just one example it was, it was kind of, and this is, so, so I've written two books, Randy, and, and my second one is when this one, this memory came back. For example, I was at school, it was elementary school, and my mother said that she'd come pick me up. Well, I waited there for three or four hours after school. She never, she never showed, and, and I couldn't walk home. I, it was a new school. I didn't know where to go. You know, those, that's just one thing that I have been with. Um, and I know my siblings had to deal with the same thing. I just don't, I just don't remember. Um, and, and neglect, I think mostly that was just because my mother never wanted us. My older sister and I, we knew we weren't wanted. And it was just, that was, that was hard because it was everything we had to deal with, of course, trying to figure out how to get food. That was the big thing. Not having clothes like the other kids did, dealing with all the bullying. 
And then knowing that my mother didn't want me and my older sister to know for sure she didn't. Um, and so that's, that's, that was really kind of hard to deal with as well, especially when you're so young and you're trying to deal with so many other things, right? So was there ever a dad on the scene that you recall? Because I haven't heard you mention a male figure. There was one, my youngest sister's father. He actually moved us away from Alabama for a short time. We moved to Georgia. And when we got there, of course, it was just a really bad situation. We could hear my mother fighting with him. They would throw things, you know. Um, one of my younger sisters, they actually, she kept wetting the bed because it was so traumatic for her, you know. And then one day, my uncle came, and he had a gun, and he was making sure that my stepdad at the time was not going to try to do anything when we were moving back to Alabama. And he actually picked him up, and my uncle had to point the gun at him and keep him from trying to keep keep us there because it was just such a bad situation. What um, what did this so, do to your self-esteem, self-worth, self-value at that time? I'm sure oh, at your age, you, you weren't even sure what those were. And with your experiences, it, you go ahead and tell us. I don't need yeah, to speak I, for you. I had none. I mean, it was, it was just it's so hard because you don't know what's going to happen. We didn't know from day to the next if we were going to be in the same house. If we and we weren't, we moved around a lot. If we were going to, we we knew nothing, right? I mean, I remember thinking back, and I just thought it was such a uneasy feeling every single day. And, and my grandmother was our only stability. And when, I, when my stepdad moved us to Georgia, she didn't come with us. So that just totally destroyed most of us, if not all four of us. And I used to cry all the time every night because um, I was afraid she was going to die. Did did you realize that this wasn't normal upbringing? You know, sometimes we get in a situation and we think that's the way everybody lives. Uh, did you know you were in a, I'm going to say a bad place, you know, as far as the way you were being treated? Yes. Um, you know, there's a there's an example that I remember. I I only had one or two really good friends because it was really hard to trust people. Sure. Even kids my own age. And uh, one of my friends, I knew we were going to have food that night. This was so rare. And I invited her to spend the night. And she came over and we had a great time. We played and had a wonderful time. And then dinner time came. My grandmother biscuits and gravy. I was so excited to have food, right? And we all sat down and she looked at the food, my friend Cindy, she looked at the food and she looked at me and she said, this is all we're having. It, it broke my heart at, at first. And then I was like, oh my gosh, 
that was one of the first realizations that, wow, there's other people have so much more than what we did, right? At that point, and so I was just like, and you know what? She actually called her parents. She did not want to eat. She did not want to stay. She called her parents and they came to pick her up, but she never spent the night. And I had a friend that day. Did she not want to stay because she didn't, she was so uncomfortable, do you believe, or was it so she wasn't eating your food? I think she wanted, I, you know, that's a good question. I, I think that she was so not used to having just that food, right? I think she was used to having meat and potatoes sure. and veggies and all those other things. Whereas we were just, we just had something to eat. And for them, it was planned. We had a lot more than we did. Obviously. So. so how old were you when you realized there was a better way and you wanted to seek that better way? And what was that lights on moment? And how did you get started in the positive direction where you are today? That's a great question. So I don't know how I do, except for, I think it was from God, but at eight years old, I remember thinking I am not living and staying in Alabama. I will be gone. And then that was the first time I remember. And then the second time was when I was 18 and I had been working two years. I started working when I was in high school at 16 as soon as I could. What was I, the job? The, the job was a, at a shoe store. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and it's interesting because they wanted me to work at a fast food restaurant. And I said, no, it, it was, let's do a program called DECA. And we could go to school half day and work half day. I remember that program. You remember that? Yes. yes. And they asked me if I wanted to work at a fast food. I said, no, because that's what my mother did. And I did not want to do that. Sure. So they, there was a, a, a shoe store that was open. Now, of course, obviously, I didn't make much money, but I was in high school. But two years after I started working at Shoe City, was the name of it, um, I was able to have enough money to where I could buy a pair of pants and a shirt for me to wear to work. So I went to a clothing store and I walked in and I thought, I don't know how to buy clothes. I had never done that before, ever. Wow. And I was thinking, I'm 18 years old. I know all my friends bought clothes and, and things, you know, and that was the first realization. And to be honest, I don't know if I bought any clothes that day. But when I sat down in my car after I left the, the store, I sat there and I thought, I can't do this anymore. I have to change. I have to figure this out for myself because I'm not getting any direction from anyone else. And I just started trying to find anybody I could to help me as far as like books and audio and, and things like that. And the first person I found was Tony Robbins. And 
he just spoke to me because he was like, you know what? I mean, you can do this. You are better than this. You can get through whatever you need to, and you can have a better life. And that's when I was like, you're right. But now it was a long journey. It's taken me a long time because working through all those things, it's taken me a long time. But I'm that's recovery. in a good place. Recovery is every day of your life to your last breath. Um, whether it is an addiction to drugs or it's past trauma, recovery is a journey, not a destination. You know that as well as anybody. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you're obviously telling us of that journey. So what what do you consider having been your first break, your first, ah, here's a chance for me to move toward who I want to be? I love that. To get me going, I, another church member, as a matter of fact, helped me to get on working for civil service. And I, came in at the lowest level because at that point, no one was uh, allowed to be hired by the government. There was a freeze for hiring on. So I was hired as a GS1. That's the lowest level you can get. Yes. But I was right out of high school and I was able to get on working temporary. Well, the job that I, that I got was supposed to be a one GS1 and three in three years. But I the GS3 in like six months because I worked my tail off, you know. And so luckily by that time, the freeze was over and they were able to get me into a, a higher position. So that is what I consider my first big break because I was able to earn money. It was a steady paycheck and I had leave if I needed to take leave. And it was... It was a it was a great, great, just a just starting. I, I'm amazed here at how you were, how you were able to convince yourself after all you'd been through that you were worth this, that you oh. did have those skills, you did have value and worth, and to be able to move forward in all of that to keep that journey going. Wow, uh, it's a, it's gone. He's I, the only. That was my next way. comment. You know, uh, when there are too many coincidences to be coincidences, God's <laughs> God's the one. He's there before right. the first one. I understand that. Oh, but yeah. the the neat thing about it, I always like. I've always said, God can give you the farm. He won't drive your tractor. Okay, <laughs> and he gave you the position. You said, I think, quote, you worked your tail off. You went from G one to G three in like five six months, whatever it was. <laughs> yes, and I'm sure God. He respected your heart. He knew what you'd been asking for. You were serious about it. And if he'd keep opening the door, you'd keep walking through it. Uh, 
I hope this doesn't sound too critical, but what did you have to lose after which came from? Uh, right. You know, going back to nothing just meant another start. And you had been there long enough that you weren't going to let that happen. So, uh, okay, lead us on from there, please. The next step, whatever that looked like. So the next step, that was my first job, and that was in Alabama. Okay. Uh, it was in Aniston, Alabama. That's uh, close to my uh, where, I, where I was raised. And the second job that I really got that was a big break, because I, I moved up jobs, but just a, the next big step was I moved to Denver, Colorado. That was huge for me because it was working at this very large, well, it was at Lowry Air Force Base. And I was, I started working at the finance center there. And I was able to move up really quickly, made it up to the GS-12, um, just doing a variety of jobs. How long, and how long did that take basically to move? It took me uh, 12 years. That's that is quick. Yeah. Okay. And but I have to tell you. Sure. I, people call it imposter syndrome right now. I'd never heard that term until about two years ago. But honestly, I felt like I was an imposter every day of my life. You know, because I was raised and I thought, do I really, should I really be here? Even though I knew I was working really hard and trying so much um it was it was interesting because i was trying to fake it you know <laughs> not let anybody see me but i was scared to death and i was i i didn't know if i deserved it do any of us do we deserve what god gives us i don't think so but no. he, he doesn't give that a second thought <laughs> Uh, if it was by what we deserve, I know I wouldn't be where I'm at today, okay? So I respect that imposter syndrome, uh, and I've probably <laughs> been guilty of it. I've always said I wanted to be in water deeper than my head to where I had to be swimming all the time to stay where I could breathe. And uh, go. God's given me those challenges. It sounds like you've been there, and I've proved at least for the moment I could do it, but I couldn't do it without him. I recognize that. I realize that. But once again, the work is ours. The gift he gives us, but the work is ours. And I love that. Well, it's perfect. I love that. Good, good. Uh, so what... What advice could you give others who have been through the, the trauma, the experiences, the abandonment, the neglect, that feeling of worthlessness, devaluing yourself? What kind of advice would you give to somebody right now who was 18 years old? What would you tell them if they just told you, your story and it was theirs i would tell them you have no idea what god is going to give you in the future so you do not think 
about any of the things that anybody has said to you or done to you that is true. It's not true. You are so valuable. God loves you and wants you to succeed. And you take every day and you value it and do everything that you can to make your dreams come true because they will. If I can make my dreams come true, you can make your dreams come true. And if you just need somebody to talk to, you call me or you text me and I will be here for you. I I don't believe in what some preachers or at least what I get from them on television and elsewhere, the idea of prosperity theology. Uh, I don't believe it's God's desire that we all have great wealth or anything else, but I believe it can happen to many, and he's often the reason that it does. I have always said I want to be the total me that God created me to be, and whatever level that gets me to, hey, I'll be satisfied with that, and I'll live that out to the best of my abilities and with all the joy I can muster, and I once again get the impression that's where you're at. So can you sum up in a sentence or two what moved you from from uh, poverty to prosperity? And let me throw something in here. Didn't I read that you were the number one realtor in that area at one point, maybe today, I don't know. But is that accurate? So not the number one, okay. but I'm in the top 1% of the real estate. <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of realtors in San Antonio, but, but no, I've, I've had great success. And thank you so much for, well, for I that. Just want people to recognize from where you were, where, you are. And I don't say that for purposes of the wealth that's created with it. I say it for the person that you've become to get you there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, go ahead with that, please. You know, there's, there's something that I, that just came to mind, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I truly feel like I had to go through all the things of as a child in order to help others now and a few years ago about five or six years ago I created a program at one of the schools here that I provide the funds to the school and the counselor goes and gets all the food we bought backpacks so all the kids in that particular school district they come in they pack their backpacks on a, on a Thursday if they have siblings, pack food, and they get to take that home for the weekend so that they aren't hungry on the weekends. That probably wouldn't have happened if I didn't know what that's like to go through. You wouldn't have had the same sensitivity to it, would you? No. But you know what it's no. like to truly wonder about the next meal. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So I just feel grateful for my past so that I can actually help the kids now. You know, that's that's the power of recovery. Whether we're talking somebody out of addiction who ends up getting their 
you know, peer coaching license or something of that nature because I've been there. I know what it's like. I want to help you out of there. You're at that point. You were hungry. You don't want to see other kids hungry. You know what it did to your self-worth and people's interpretation of who Donna was and and her family and whatnot. But you've moved well beyond that. So, yeah. How do you... Now, also... Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, please. So, this is not to brag. I... I, coming from where I came from, I never have believed that I was able to get to this point. But I have a number one best-selling book. Wow. And it just made number one nationally and internationally. I'm getting chills hearing that. <laughs> what is, so what's the name of that book? Okay. If I can, I'm afraid to say the word because some people don't want me to say it, but it's called Developing Your Ass. Mindset, but it has A and it has asterisk. Okay, okay. <laughs> but that's what it that's what it is. And every penny of that book, those book sales, go to help feed feed the kids. And it has been such a joy that's, to be able to have an extra income. That's another reason to feel the excitement of it being number one, because every book that's sold feeds another child for a given period. Etc. Yes. Etc. And that snowballs exactly. and allows me to participate in that. How is that book available? How would we get that? So there's two ways. Um, it's on my website, and that's DonnaFranklinSpeaker.com. Say or, that again, please. Oh, uh, DonnaFranklinSpeaker, all one word. Dot com. Okay. Or it's available on Amazon. And I'm not sure why, but through Amazon, they have to go through some steps. <laughs> you have to go into like books and you have to put my name in there. So it's a little couple of extra steps, but because uh, it doesn't just come up like that. Sure. Um, so, but either way, it's it's been so good. What it's made you such think pleasure. you could write a book? What made you think somebody from your background could write a book? I took Tony Robbins and, and Dean Graziosi, their, their partners, and I took a couple of their courses. And the course was about writing a course to sell online. And as I was going through that, I thought, well, a course is great, but something just said, you need to write a book. And do you know my first books are written too? The first one was called Ready, Set, Real Estate. And the reason I wrote that book is because I heard that nine out of 10 real estate agents get out of the business in their first one to three years because they just can't make it. And I thought, I can help them. I've been where they are. So I wrote when I was, when I was writing my first book, I told no one, no one. Um, my, uh, my boyfriend, he and I worked together. He'd walk past my desk and he'd say, so what are you working on? I'd just say, oh, just work. You know, I wasn't going to tell anybody because I didn't know if I could do it. I didn't know. So after I wrote it and I gave it to a couple of my friends and my oldest sister and one of my coaches with Dean and Tony, 
I said, all right, I need some good feedback. And they all gave me some really good feedback. And then I found a publisher for my book and I published it. And I had one of the guys that I know, he actually developed or he created my uh, covers for me. And then I published the book and that's when I told everybody. And <laughs> so then that helped me to write my second book, which was, I, it was during COVID. And I saw how everybody's mindset was going in just such a bad direction and mine was too. And I thought, wait a minute, I've been through this kind of stuff before. We can get out of this. And that's when I wrote Developing Your Kick-Ass Mindset because I know how to do that. And if I could say this last thing about my book, the reason I, I have it Developing Your Kick-Ass Mindset is because I actually, a few years back, I got my black belt in Taekwondo. My mother, growing up, we had all been, she had all, I think she was so afraid. She was, she would put fear into us. She'd say, oh, there's a man outside looking into our house. You know, he wants to break in. Just things like that. And I don't think it was malicious by anything, by any reason. But I think she was just scared. And she wanted us to, she needed somebody else to be afraid of. And so growing up like that, I thought, I can't do this anymore. But I got to be in my 20s. I thought, I have got to figure this out. And when I got to be early 30s, I kept passing by this Taekwondo studio. And I finally one day said, if you don't do it now, you're not ever going to do it. So I went in. And so this is how afraid I was. I, I went in. And there was so many people there. I was like, oh, right. And so I just, I spotted the pamphlets. So I go over and I grab one of the pamphlets and tried to get out the door. And this lady in a Taekwondo uniform said, can I help you? I said, no, thank you. <laughs> hit and run, hit and run. <laughs> and I got my card. I thought, oh, Donna. <laughs> and so, I actually figured out that I could start that week and I was able to start. It took me five and a half years to get my black belt, but it's the first time I was ever able to set a goal and accomplish it. That was that big. That was monumental for you then, wasn't monumental. it? it? It set the tone for your future. It sounds like, yes, I can was the attitude from that moment yes. on, regardless yes. of what the the challenge was. Yeah. Wow. I a couple of times there you said you just you knew you had to write a book. I'm gonna guess that was God's prodding at that moment. Everybody no else doubt. had pushed it, but he touched the final button and you listen, you <laughs> did it. Uh you I, know there's some people that want to write a book their entire lives and I never did. But, and that's why you said that it had to be gone because it certainly wasn't in me. I hear you. I have just completed my second. Actually, we received the dummy copies, the proof copies today. Oh, is, congratulations. Thank you. It's Recovery Conversations yeah. with Randy Davis. And what it is, it's not my story, but it's transcripts of our podcasts. 
So we'll be sending you a release, hoping to get your permission to use your story as one of our chapters. We hope to do six books, and we're getting on with it well. And it just tells folks, you know, there is hope. That's the goal in all of this. Don't give up, regardless of how dark it looks. And it can be done. There's a God who cares, and he'll show you a way, a better life, a better way. And what? we have to have hope as a human being. That's the thing that helps us oh my. to get through whatever we're going through. How Lindsay, former author, uh, made a comment. I can't remember the exact quote. We've got so much time without air, so much time without food, so much time without water. We don't have a second without hope. And uh, so Exactly. Yeah, it just boils down it. So what what kind of thought would you like to leave our folks with as we get ready to wrap this up here? Oh, it's been such a pleasure. What I'd love to make sure that I leave is if I can do it, anyone can do it. Coming from where I came from, and, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners feel the same way, but if they just keep going, just keep a vision in front of them of what they want. Then try to find somebody to help them. There are so many people out there that really will help them, that love them and will care about them. Absolutely. I'm of the belief that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people rooting for us with their prayers behind the scenes when yes. we tap into them and we get together with them, we, wow, we can conquer the world. <laughs> and with Absolutely. God by our side, why not? Uh, That's right. Thank you. Thank you for your effort. Thank you for the inspiration that you are for your books, for the work you're doing with the schools. I love that. And Thank you. Uh, I, I don't know what God's next step is for you. And obviously you don't know for sure. That's <laughs> in that exciting no. knowing there's another one, but I don't know what it looks like. So uh, <laughs> we appreciate what you've shared with us today. And uh, we just pray God's blessing upon you. And similar to what you said, I always like to tell folks, today, maybe they didn't get their answer. Tune in to the next episode. It could be in it. Or take that step around the corner. It could be just around the corner. Don't stop now. We didn't come this far. It only come this far. So God bless. Take care. Stay in the battle. Amen. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure.